0: Welcome to episode 101, a 34-part episode on Catholicism 101, the foundations of our Catholic faith. These episodes originally premiered on YouTube. You can find the original video linked in the description to this episode, as well as a discussion guide for your benefit and whoever you might be listening with. A friendly reminder and invitation to please, if you have not yet done so, please rate and review this podcast. It helps other people find it. It's such a great way to get this podcast out there and for you to share it with others. But remember, the highest compliment you could pay this podcast and myself is to share this episode or any episode on social media. And you can do that by simply posting it on your story or tagging us in a post. At ManaFoodForThought is our Instagram handle. At ManaF4T is our Twitter and our Facebook page is just Mana Food for Thought. You can find all of that on our website, manafoodforthought.com, as well as all of our previous content. And if you'd like to become a financial sponsor for as little as $1 a month, you can do that by clicking on the Patreon tab on our website. If you have not yet done so, I really want to invite you to check out our friends at Thrive Coffee. It's coffee with a mission. Their website is drinkthrive.org, and they are a nonprofit craft coffee roaster in Richmond, Virginia. They use coffee to create careers and training opportunities for individuals with disabilities. Uh, They ship nationwide, their beans are locally roasted in small batches, they make blends, and three bags sold pays for one hour of work for their differently abled employees. So go to drinkthrive.org, buy a few bags, and if you use promo code MANA M-A-N-N-A, at checkout, you will get 15% off your first order. With that being said, enjoy the next installment in episode 101, a 34-part episode on Catholicism 101. Enjoy. If you don't quit, you might die. That was the reason my parents and I had eventually settled on as a teenager as to why I needed to leave the Boy Scouts before I became an Eagle Scout. I tended to be a little bit accident prone, provoked to um, attacks from animals and evacuating campouts from natural disasters at a seemingly alarming, more than normal rate. And one such story of such an injury was learning how to chop wood as a young teenager in Boy Scouts. When you chop wood, you're meant to stand with your feet apart and the block of wood in front of you. And you swing the ax up over your head and down onto the wood using your force, but also gravity. And the reason you stand the way that you do is that if you miss, the ax will swing down into the open area between your legs and you will not get injured. And so I followed the instruction of my scoutmaster and I did just that. My axe hit the wood, but it got stuck and did not split. And so I used leverage to get the axe out and had to shift my position to do so. And when I went for my second swing, I had not remembered to put my legs back in their original position. And after my second swing came down, I missed the block of wood in front of me and the thankfully small, but still hatchet of an axe lodged very slightly into my right shin. I missed the mark. That is what a sin is. To sin means to miss the mark. And in this episode, we're talking about sin because we've talked about our desires and how they point us to something beyond our reality that we know is God, who we can have a relationship with and learn about and have faith in. But what complicates that is sometimes we try to fulfill those desires in an earthly way and we sin and we separate ourselves from God and that relationship becomes difficult or complicated. The bullseye that we were created for is truth, goodness, and beauty. That is where our desires point. In fact, in the book of Genesis, When you hear the story of creation and how God created Adam and Eve and this garden, he gave them a choice of this uh, tree of the knowledge of good and evil and told them not to eat of it. Eve, it says that she saw the tree, that it was good for food, pleasing or beautiful to the eyes, and the tree was desirable for gaining wisdom or truth. That in this choice, she had a sense of this welling up of the desires for the true, the good, and the beautiful. The problem is that sin is a distortion of what is true, good, and beautiful. So anytime we sin, there is some good desire underlying it that we are trying to fulfill. But when we miss the mark, we sin. And when Eve took that apple and gave it to Adam, and they both made that choice, sin then entered the world. But that was not God's plan for us. You know, we were made in the image and likeness of God. It says this in Genesis chapter 1, God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. This is a state that's called original holiness. This is what we were designed for. Sin was not part of God's plan for us. Plan A was the Garden of Eden. And every time he creates something in the first chapter of Genesis, he says that it was good until he gets to man and woman, in which case he says he sees that it was very good. And in fact, as soon as that sin entered the world in Genesis chapter 3, God promises us a redeemer. And that's the whole story of the rest of scripture. The whole rest of the Old Testament is God choosing a people through which this redeemer would come. And them trying and failing to be faithful over and over again and anticipating this person, this Messiah to come who would eventually reconcile them back to God so they could be faithful. And the whole New Testament is about how that person came and his name was Jesus Christ and he did redeem and reconcile us. That he came to pay a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt we could not pay. But why did he have to do that? Why did this need to happen in the first place? Couldn't God have created a world without sin? This is a big sticking point for a lot of people when it comes to belief in God, because if God is supposed to be all loving, how could he allow people to suffer to sin? And if he's all powerful, couldn't he just wipe it all away? And the answer is, well, God is all loving and all powerful, which is why he did create a world without sin and why he did seek to have no suffering and wipe it all away. That was the Garden of Eden. However, there's a problem that if you just create humanity in the Garden of Eden and you don't give them a choice, then it's not real love. Love requires a choice. I didn't stand across from my wife on the day of our wedding and say, I do, and you're going to say I do whether you like it or not. No, she had to choose to love me. Otherwise, it would not have been real love. That would have been a hostage situation. Love requires free will. And so God had to give a choice, but he gives them the easiest choice possible. He provides for their every need. There is no suffering, no sin. Every desire they have is fulfilled, and yet they are tempted to disobey him now it wasn't just of their own accord there is the evil one satan the devil who is real who exists who used to be an angel created by god but he was given that same choice and was revealed god's plan for humanity and for uh, his love for us and out of jealousy and pride he turned away from god and though he knows he's not more powerful and that he can never be victorious over God, he seeks to take as many of us down with him, because sin turns us inward. Sin becomes about us and our desires, instead of about the way in which outside of ourselves they are fulfilled. And so by Lucifer's choice, sin, the reality of sin, hell came into existence. And by our choice as humans to turn away from God, original sin entered the world, and suffering entered the world because suffering is our experience of sin. We all now, because of this original sin, have this thing called concupiscence. Concupiscence is our natural tendency toward sin. Paul notes this in Romans chapter 7. He says, For I do not do the good I want, but I do the evil I do not want. We all do it. We all sin. We always sin. There is no such thing as a perfect person. The only two people in existence who have never sinned are Jesus and Mary. And both were able to not sin because they were preserved from sin from their very birth, from the state of original sin. They still had a choice. But it's different for us. We all have sin built into our nature. It says in Romans chapter 3, all have sinned and are deprived of the glory of God. This is why you and I are baptized, because we want to be cleansed from original sin. It doesn't mean that we won't ever sin again, but it means that the grace of God is now at work in us to preserve us from greater sin in the future. Now, there are different degrees of sin. We look in Scripture in 1 John chapter 5. It says, If anyone sees his brother sinning, if the sin is not deadly, so there's not deadly sin, He should pray to God and he will give him life. This is only for whose sin is not deadly. There is such a sin as deadly sin, about which I do not say you should pray. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that is not deadly. Well, what does that mean? Well, there's certain sins that are not as bad that we can pray and ask God forgiveness for. And there are sins that are deadly that separate us from God. And in the church, we call those things venial sins and mortal sins. Venial sins are littler sins. They're sins that don't separate us from God, but they wound charity within us. But we can be forgiven of those multiple different ways. We can ask God forgiveness for them in prayer. We can hear the gospel. We can go to mass and receive communion we can um, pray the Confiteor or the act of contrition, all these different prayers or ways that our venial sins are forgiven. Probably multiple times a day your venial sins are forgiven and you don't even realize it. Mortal sin is the one that separates us from God, the sin that is deadly that we can't just pray away. Why is that? Well, there's no such thing as a private sin. All the sin that we do affects not only us, but our relationships, and it ripples out and affects the wider body of Christ. Just like when you stub your toe really bad and you don't treat it or compensate, you start to walk differently and it starts to affect the rest of your body. It's the same thing with sin among the body of Christ. And so when sin that is so severe separates us from God and affects the community in such a way, we need to go to confession Because we need to go to a person who is a representation of both God and of the community. And that is the priest. And priests were given this ability, this authority by God to forgive sins. In Matthew 16, he gives it to Peter. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And later he gives it to all the uh, apostles saying, whoever sins you forgive are forgiven them. And whose sins you retain are retained. Now, what constitutes a mortal sin that we would need to go to confession for? There are three criteria. One, you need to be aware that it is a sin. You need to have full knowledge that it's sinful, that it is wrong, um, and that you, are, you have your complete full mental faculties about you. Uh, next, it has to be bad. It has to be a grave matter is what it is called, meaning that it has to be a very severe sin. Things like adultery, idolatry, murder, Um, murder with our words like severe gossip or violence uh, abuse all those things fitting in those main three categories of adultery idolatry and murder can constitute a grave matter and then c is consent Um, that oh by the way i was doing abcs i don't know if you if i said that aware bad and consent Uh, consent means you have to give your full consent no one can force you to do it Um, you have to freely choose to do it and so when we do those things when we know something is really bad we do it anyway and no one forced us to do it that's considered a mortal sin and we have to go be reconciled in the sacrament of reconciliation for that in order to be back in a right relationship with God because sin is not a weakness that we can overcome on our own it's a condition from which we need to be saved that's why Jesus is called our Savior That's why he came, because we can't do it on our own. That's what the most famous verse in all of scripture reminds us. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but have eternal life. Because it says in Romans chapter 6 that our sin carries a heavy price tag. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is why the church has all these, maybe not rules, but commandments or um, ways that we should live. It's not to oppress us. It's not to control us, but it's to set us free. Think about this. If you gave a bunch of five-year-olds a soccer ball and they'd never seen soccer, they had no idea how to play, and you didn't tell them the rules and you just took them to a, a grassy field and said, go play soccer well, chaos would erupt. They'd be chucking the ball at each other's heads, clotheslining each other, probably spinning around aimlessly. There'd be no point. But if you tell them, here's where the boundaries are, here's the rules that we put in place to make sure that you are scoring, that you know the point of the game, and that you are safe and that you do not hurt one another, then they will be playing the game of soccer and playing it well. The same is true of life. The church gives us boundaries, rules to protect us so we don't get hurt, and... Suggestions as to how to live our life in such a way to play the game of life well. To win the game of life, which means to get to heaven. To be with God for all eternity in perfect joy, love, and unity. Freedom from death. That is why the Catechism says that sin is an abuse of the freedom that God gave creative persons so that they are capable of loving Him and loving one another. So when we talk about sin, it's not really about whether you follow the rules. God's not this big angry judge in the sky, and that always comes off as judgmental, hypocritical, self-righteous, and really uncharitable. Sin, if we properly understand it, is a deprivation of our freedom. So the church gives us guidance on how to live so that we can be fully alive, completely free, and experience the fullness of what God created for us. That's why we want to share this message with other people because we all need it. Everyone is struggling or hurting or deals with sin in a different way. And that is how we also experience suffering. Suffering is our experience of sin in the world. There's no such thing, as I said, as a private sin. But imagine a world without suffering. And if we'd never been given this choice, well, we would all be robots, We'd be pre-programmed to love God without a choice. And so we would have nothing to overcome or no need to practice virtue. We would have no need for bravery, sacrificial love, uh, personal sacrifice, courage, overcoming fear. It would all just be taken care of. The choice is necessary in order to fully appreciate and live in the love that God created us for. But when we don't do that, suffering enters the world. Mother Teresa was once asked, why does God let so many people suffer or go hungry? And she simply said, he doesn't, we do. Our active choices are what cause sin. God's active will was creating the Garden of Eden. But he also has a passive will, things he allows to happen. And that is sin and suffering. He allows them to happen because he respects our freedom. He will not intervene and force us to do anything. We are given the opportunity to invite His presence, His intercession, and His miraculous help. Sometimes He gives it in the way we expect, and sometimes He gives it in a way we do not expect. But He always shows up. He always works for our greatest good. It says in Romans 8, We know all things work for good for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. You know, we live in a world that glorifies the unattainable quality of perfection. Social media is all about pretending to be perfect, putting on a filter or a mask, but none of us are really perfect. So in a sense, when we're engaging with the world, we can all feel a sense of being unworthy, guilty, ashamed, or inadequate. When we hide from our sin and we try to be our own savior, we can self-destruct. But if we acknowledge our sin, if we acknowledge that we are sinners in need of a savior, Jesus can transform that suffering into grace as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, for when I am weak, then I am strong. If we acknowledge our weakness, we will come to know the beauty of what Jesus came to do for us. That is why I love the crucifix. For two reasons. One, that it reminds me That weakness is welcome. That I can be vulnerable and acknowledge the fact that I do not need to be perfect to be a Christian. In fact, I need to admit exactly the opposite. I am a sinner in need of a savior and there he is. And the second thing I love about the crucifix is every time I walk into a Catholic church, I look up and I see Jesus on the cross and I know that my suffering is welcome there. And not only that, I have a God who understands it and sits with me in it. That he doesn't want any of those things. When we lose someone, it's not that God took them home early. No, God is crying with us like he wept over Lazarus because he hates that death is a part of our reality. But he will always respect our freedom and he will always immediately intervene to try and bring good out of whatever sin or suffering affects us. No earthly thing can satisfy the longing in our hearts. Sin comes from us trying to fulfill those things in an earthly or temporary way. We might turn to instant gratification, achievement, power, influence, popularity, number of followers or friends, or even very earthly things like food, alcohol, pleasure, or even drugs. We may even turn to politics like we've seen over this past year. But be reminded that no matter who wins and who loses, after four years or even eight years, that person is gone and we're back to where we started. Nothing is permanent except for God only god only jesus can satisfy only jesus can fulfill us only jesus can save us and restore us to who we were created to be so let us remember the words that jesus proclaims at the beginning of almost every gospel repent turn away from your sin for the kingdom of heaven is at hand